Thanks for listening to Worship Local. This is Frontier Church's podcast where we invite you into the story of a community that longs to be the city's most joyful church in Des Moines, Iowa. In today's podcast, Cole and I talk about the second week of Lent, where our local church fasted from television and entertainment. What did the Lord teach us? Why would we even do this? All this and more in today's episode. If you have any questions, send us a text at 515-517-8505. We hope this podcast helps you worship local. Hey, church, we're uh, we're psyched that you're listening to this episode of Worship Local. I'm I'm Cole. I'm one of the pastors at Frontier, and I'm here with my dude, my bro, my main homie. <laughs> main homie. <laughs> no side homie. I'm your main homie. That's, yeah, that's right, Carlos. Dude. Carlos, I'm also a pastor here at Frontier. This one's going to be a doozy. Yeah. Uh, this podcast is going to be a doozy. It's going to be a doozy because we got the whole crew here. The whole Dikey family and the whole Sims family is all crammed together in our little house here in Beaverdale, Iowa. So you're going to be... Beaverdale, Des Moines. So you're gonna hear some some footsteps, pitter pattering, some banging, yeah, head banging, some, some wrestling upstairs, some Encanto singing. Yeah, they're watching Encanto for the millionth time, upstairs. millionth and one time, time. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm excited to get after it in this podcast because we're gonna keep chipping away and hammering away at the Lent season and what God's doing in our lives during the Lent season. Um, so let's let's recap the Lent sermon series. But before we do that, okay, once upon a time. There was a hiker who came across a lumberjack in the wilderness. The hiker said, hey, what are you doing there to the lumberjack? The lumberjack said, can't you see what I'm doing? I'm sawing down this tree. And the hiker says, you look exhausted. And the lumberjack (laughs) says, yeah, I've been sawing for six hours now and the tree still hasn't fallen. And the hiker says, well, why don't you take a break and sharpen your saw, I'm sure you could cut it down faster. And the lumberjack says, he says, I don't have time to sharpen the saw. I'm too busy sawing. Jeez. What do you think about that story? That's crazy. It's an anecdote. It's made yeah, up. What yeah, do you think yeah. of that story, though? Uh, that's That sounds like one of uh, Solomon's, pro- or whoever. You know, we don't know if it's Solomon. But it sounds like one of the Proverbs. yeah Um, yeah you know it's like one of those things where it's like i need to like go and sit about like what just took place um yes yeah it's i don't have time to sharpen my blade i have to cut down this tree right that sounds like america bro i don't have time to sabbath i need to figure out how i can rest (laughs) because the hiker's right if he would sharpen his saw He'd actually be more effective. Mm-hmm. I think that's a perfect parable for solitude and Sabbath and rest mm. and the spiritual practices. So I, I think of like the mind or the heart or the spirit as a saw. And if we wanted to be able to cut through the world and to cut into life, we've got to take the time to sharpen that, which happens Jeez. through like solitude and Sabbath. Yes, that's good. So I don't yeah, know about yeah, you, yeah. but like, so as good. we talk about fasting from TV and entertainment, mm-hmm. I feel like one of the things that happened to me this week was the Lord used that time to sharpen my saw. Mm. Mm. Sharper. You can cut through things. Yeah, that's how I felt last week. I didn't feel that as much this week. So I'm curious to dive into 
how he sharpened your blade. Well, like, it's, you're right. Like, yeah. isn't that such a parable for the 21st century American? I don't have time to sharpen my saw. I'm too busy sawing. It's just so true. Okay, so well, let's get to the fasting from TV. Oh, that's good. Piece. First, for our church, let's go ahead. Can we recap the sermon series so far? We're three yeah. weeks into our sermon series for the joy set before them, mm-hmm. where we're looking at these six different portraits that are all, you know, showing us these vivid illustrations of the sufferings of Jesus that are going to lead all the way up to the resurrection on Easter. Mm-hmm. So can you walk us through those first three portraits? Yeah. Um, first, yeah, the first, yeah, the first portrait, uh, we talked about Jesus just accepting suffering, right? And so, like, the fact that, I mean, it's the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Bro. Yeah. You preached on that one, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was dope. Um, and just, like, this, just this notion that Jesus is not, like... Just this notion that Jesus is not um, passively or like passive aggressively accepting our suffering, mm-hmm. but like he like, you know, he asks the question. He asks the question um, to his father, if it's possible, let this cup fall away from me. Yeah, yeah. And then he waits. Yes, we are. You can bring that. Yeah, bring that pizza. In. His eyes. You want to say hi to the church? Thank you, Chloe. You want to say hi? Hi to the church. No? Nothing? Okay. Well, I was talking to you, Chloe. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't want to say hi to you, church. (laughs) Russell, you want to say hi to the church, bud? Same thing. Yeah, there we now with sins. Say hi to the church. Hi. Say get right up in the microphone. Hi church. Hi, church. Nice. Good job, man. Um this looks amazing. Thanks, Chloe. Yeah, thank you, sweetheart. Um. Yeah, like Jesus, he you know he pauses and he waits when when asking like, can this thing like if somebody else can take this God or if there's some other way like let it be and then God is just silent and he says nevertheless you know um, not my will but your will so Jesus like joyfully accepting suffering. Um, second week yeah, was yeah I think that's key. So oh, can we get we didn't get into too many of the theological weeds. Uh-huh. That Sunday, but there's a lot there. So, mm-hmm. like, for instance, this is like that story at Gethsemane. It's like it's ripe for heresy. So that's a story where a lot of heresy flies in the church, and the church is like, "Yeah, that's right." So, uh, like, a lot of people will use the the Gethsemane story. <laughs> hey, Ezzy, 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 Ezzy. That's too loud. That's too loud. So a lot of people will will use the Gethsemane story to say that the fellowship of the Trinity was broken. Mm, yeah. Which is which is on true. Yeah. God is always triune. The text says that God is without change. Um, and so we don't see a broken fellowship between the Father and the Son. What we do see is the Son having this felt experience of abandonment. Mm. Which I think is I think that's key, man. Is that different from actually being abandoned? Absolutely, because God doesn't become two persons. Okay. Right? So, like, God is eternally triune. So, this is not Jesus um, forfeiting his deity Mm -hmm. or a separation among the persons of the Trinity. The persons of the Trinity are co equal and they're of the same essence and of the same substance. Yeah. So, I think that's really key. Um, Yeah. I don't know why I felt like I needed to poke at that. No, it's good. It's good. Um, Hey, Ezzy. Ezzy. 
Thank you. Um, the second week, um, Luke preached. Pastor Luke talked about um, Jesus being betrayed. And uh, again, it was another banger. <laughs> Phenomenal preaching. Yeah. It's really just, helpful. man, we're so blessed, dude. Like, yeah. you first week, Luke second week, it was just like... Oh my gosh! Um, yeah, God has really used Frontier Church to draw men who want to preach their guts out. Yeah, we got we got a great preaching culture at Frontier, and that's mm-hmm. because of guys like Luke and guys like you and guys like Andrew Self and Nick Powell. I mm-hmm. think they really established that um, lay guys can get up and preach fire. Mm. Mm. That's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Luke talked about Jesus being betrayed, and he kind of just drew out this thing about just all the implications of what that meant, of him being betrayed by his friends, him being betrayed. Um, um, did he mention being betrayed publicly? Was that him or you? Uh, I think that was me. Okay, see, that's what happens when the pulpit's fire. You just forget who says what. Well, the story melts together. Yeah, right. Um, and then, yeah, this last Sunday, you talked about just Jesus uh, being condemned for us and, like, yeah, just the beauty that um, you told this really beautiful story that I won't hash out here, but um, it's just about Jesus, like, not condemning us and not shunning us and not pushing us away from the table, but inviting us to the table. And, um, and that we are actually the ones who are condemned. Being, you know, we are the, not condemned, we're the ones who, um, What'd you say? You say it. You preached it. Yeah, Jesus. I mean, God's never going to kick us off of his lunch table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So He's never going to condemn us. He's never going to alienate us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then this week. Um, What's up, dude? Uh, this week, I think you're preaching on. Jesus is beaten and mocked. Jesus is beaten and mocked. I yeah. need to. I need to. Yeah, yeah, go for it. I'll, I'll carry it while yeah, you're yeah. helping out your boy. Um, Coming, buddy. And so, so one of the cool things is that what Carlos just did is he walked us through three parts of uh, of a long seven part narrative of the sufferings of Jesus. And what I think is cool about that is like, so one of my goals as a pastor and a preacher with this sermon series is I think it would be awesome if 100% of our church members could sit down on Holy Saturday. Right, the, the day before Easter Sunday, how cool would it be if 100% of our church members could sit down, close their eyes, and meditate on the entire passion story of Jesus so that it kind of played through their minds and hearts and head as though it were like a full-length film? You know, I think that'd be so cool if, if the passions and sufferings of Jesus were so deeply ingrained into our minds that we could actually just sit down and let the whole story unfold in our minds as though it were uh, a movie. And like, what's really helpful about that is that that's actually where the majority of God's people have stored the word of God throughout history. So like in the old Testament, you got to realize that. And you know, in the new Testament, those Christians didn't have um, Bibles that they could just open up in their homes and just read the entire Bible. And so what they had to do is they had to listen really closely to the preaching of God's word and the assembly of God's people mm, and soak that in their minds so that they could take the word of God home with them. And so in that same way, I just think it'd be so cool if people in our church after the sermon series could have the entire story of the passion and sufferings of Jesus in their minds. So 
Yeah, you're good. Protestant version of that. So the Protestant version. Yeah, the Protestant version mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, we've we totally ripped off Stations of the Cross. We just like the idea of having these clear portraits that yeah. paint this vivid picture of the the passions of Jesus. So sweet. Yeah. Have you enjoyed I mean you're preaching in a couple weeks, man. Are you excited yeah. to preach? Um <laughs> Yes. And like it's also I recognize it's gonna be hard, right? Mm-hmm. It's very yeah. different from the way we we normally preach, which is like we try to give people hope, you know, and it's just like, no, like I'm preaching on crucifixion. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Like and so um I think it's gonna be challenging. It'll be fun. It'll be fun to do it. Um but I'm super excited. Um super excited and uh yeah. Yeah. Um it's gonna be different. I don't know how it's gonna yeah. be different, but it feels it feels it different. Is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, I think one important distinction. So last week we distinguish conviction from condemnation, Mm. right? That's, you know, that's a that's a really helpful distinction. So in that same way, when we talk about being purposefully darker Mm -hmm. and more bleak in our preaching um, and and doing uh, an even richer job of showing people um, the darkness of their sins. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not doing that to beat people up. We're doing that to provide our people with an emotional education. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, you know, to grow in their emotional intelligence. That's good. Yeah, because like, dude, like in the 21st century, um, like how many public spaces are actually available to us where it's okay? for us to experience sadness and sorrow and anguish over mm-hmm. our failures. Yeah. You know? Yeah, everything else wants to distract us from that, man. I know that's, yeah. I mean, you know, so, yeah, I think that's good, man. So, And what ends up happening, dude, is that you end up bifurcating your emotional life and you say, these emotions are good, mm. right? Being happy, mm-hmm. being chipper, being energetic. And these emotions are bad, being sad. Mm-hmm. being sorrow, experiencing grief. Um, but what we see in the scriptures is that God has created us yeah. with all of these myriad of emotions, mm-hmm. not because there's good ones and bad ones, but because he desires for us to use all of them for his glory. Yeah, which right? is which is good because yeah. like if we if we're not emotionally intelligent, then we're not able to weep over the poor. We're not able to right to cry at injustice. We're not able to get angry when um the guilty go unpunished, you know, Mm -hmm. like it really does help us be more faithful witnesses for the gospel. So, yeah. And it's not a contradiction to our goal that we want to be the city's most joyful church. Mm -hmm. And that's part of why I chose the title for it that I did from Hebrews, where the the author of Hebrews Mm -hmm. unpacks that Jesus endured the sufferings of the cross for the joy set before him. Yeah. Right. So like if, we said this from the pulpit a couple weeks ago, but like, if we want to take joy seriously, mm-hmm. we also have to take sorrow seriously. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Good. So it's been a ride, man. But so uh, week two is in the books, and during mm-hmm. week two, we fasted from TV and entertainment, and uh, in its place, we put on hospitality. How'd that go for you, bro? Um, I didn't. I didn't follow it as strictly as I'd like to. Um, I mean, we definitely were down. Um, I didn't. I didn't follow the taking off as much, but I, we were like extra hospitable this week, which was really dope. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Sunday, 
we broke in our new solo stove with you guys. Right. Uh, what's the solo stuff? Walk our people. The solo stuff. Okay, let me you evangelize your, you guys. You gotta get your get the your solo stove. Out. You gotta Google this. The solo stove is God. So essentially, what happened was God made a fire pit, <laughs> and then He said, "Hey, angel, bring this over there." The angel dropped it because the angel, God can't make mistakes. The angel made mistakes. He dropped it, and someone grabbed it, and they re- replicated it, and they started mass-producing it to the public. <laughs> it is the best, and Jodo, Deacon Donafro, our worship leader, he'll be able to attest. He has one as well. The best fire pit known to man. <laughs> the way that the, the holes let in the air, and it... it mm keeps the fire going and you end up using less heat or less wood excuse me you end up using less wood but you get more fire i don't understand it but thank you jesus um anyway so we we broke that in with you on mm-hmm. sunday then monday um we got lunch me and you got lunch mm-hmm. tuesday elder meeting then we had your family over for dinner mm-hmm. we record the podcast wednesday we got lunch again Thursday we had community group. Yo, yo, yo. Friday we had the Harbaugh's over. It was just like my heart was so full this week, bro. Aren't the Harbaugh's awesome? They are. They're they are. a part of our CG and they are so crucial. They are. To our community um, group culture. And we so we ate, you know, Chinese food and we watched a Disney movie and it was just like Every Friday we do uh, family movie night, so we just invited them into that, and um, it was just amazing, man. And I was I was uh, talking to my CG on Thursday and just praising God for just like how much time me and you got last week. Mm. I was just like, I don't know, man. It was it was really great. It was really great. It was a great week, man. And it was one of those ones where I was like, man, I don't have enough time with this guy. I need to do this. <laughs> and so Monday, yesterday, I'm glad you feel that way. Yesterday, I was like, hey, dude, let's go get lunch again. Like, you know, just so. Um, Jethro's. Oh, man. I'm such a fan uh, of Jethro's. Jethro's, man. That, uh, that warm sauce. Amazing. It's great. Um, Amazing. And so, yeah, I really felt like the Lord really met me in, in, the, in being hospitable and really, like, gave me a unique clear picture of the friendship that I have here in Des Moines. Mm, mm-hmm. it, was, it was great. So, yeah, man. How about you? How'd it go for you? This was harder for us than yeah. the first week. Okay. So part of why is just like we've got TV just like in entertainment built into our ordinary rhythm of daily life, right? Mm-hmm. So like we, we put the kids to bed. After that, we come downstairs, we tidy up the house and clean up the house, and then, boom, it's just usually entertainment time. So, I would say we're pretty darn close to just, like, a nightly office. Oh, yeah. You know, like, every night we'll usually just watch, like, an episode or two of The Office or, like, whatever it is. And so, like, it's just, like, deeply built into our rhythms. Mm. And so, it was totally jarring to fast from television entertainment and... To put the kids to bed and then come downstairs to clean up, tidy up, and then there was nothing. <laughs> the silence. Like falling into a black hole. The silence, yeah. <laughs> like, what do I do with my hand? Like, Ricky Bobby, what do I do with my hands? Yeah, what do I do? Yeah, what do I do with my hands? Yeah, for real. Um, but the, there was a beauty of that, right? And, like, I think that's one of the reasons why I, 
started the podcast with the story of the hiker and uh, the the woodsman mm-hmm. who didn't have time to sharpen his saw is because I felt that happen to me with an accumulative effect over the week. Oh, yeah. So, okay. like, the first couple nights, I was like, I was like, eh. It's just kind of a bummer. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like God really, like, transforming my heart and my mind and my soul. I don't mm-hmm. feel anything significant. And it wasn't until about Wednesday or Thursday that I felt myself kind of falling into deeper solitude, uh, better conversation with Chloe, and then better prayer. Mm. That's good. What did that? So, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> was there like a, like, what did you do? Like, you know, like, obviously you had more solitude because you weren't watching TV. So, like, what did, what was your, your rhythms? Like, what, like, what were you doing? Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got this pizza in my mouth. So I just decided, like, I love reading. Mm-hmm. And so in addition to reading the scriptures, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take on a challenging book during this time. And so I started devouring Herman Bovink's The Wonderful Works of God. I don't know. Do you know Bovink? No, he sounds like a real smart dude. He's a 19th century Reformed theologian. He's, mm-hmm. he's probably most famous for his his four-part reform dogmatic set. So, big, right? Mm-hmm. Like, four, like four-part series of reform dogmatics. So, The Wonderful Works of God is his condensed version of that. Oh. So, he takes the greatest hits from those four reform dogmatics, and he reduces it into kind of a smaller systematic theology. And I just want to go on record and say I'm looking at the book, and it is a big book. So, if that's a condensed <laughs> version of his smaller one, then he, it must be huge. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, it's been a while since I've read something challenging. Um, I've just spent a lot of times in, like, commentaries now, mm-hmm. right, since I'm preaching on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, reading books that are pretty easy to read, stuff like that. <clears throat> yeah. So it's actually been a while since I've read, like, a systematic theology. And so the first two nights, I would, like, would get through, like, three pages, and I was like, I'm toast. <laughs> but, like, dude, yeah. like... The saw got sharpened. Mm. And so, like, later on, I could, uh, I feel like I could really sink my teeth into it and That's good, saw through dude. it. And so I felt the Lord kind of forming That's me and shaping really me, even in that way, by saying no to television entertainment. Dang. Dang, that's really good. That's, that's, that's really good. So Cal Newport, he's got a, not a Christian, but he wrote a great book called Deep Work. Mm-hmm. Have you read it? Yeah. That was one of my... Do you remember? That was one of my uh, preaching homeworks. You gave was it? Me, uh, that it made to stick. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's yeah. a great book. Mm-hmm. So in Deep Work, he unpacks this concept. It's pretty simple, but it's helpful to have this articulated. He, he calls the principle of least resistance. Mm. So the definition that he gives is this that is good. in business, fitness, and spiritual settings, we tend towards behaviors that are easiest in the moment. So... In any given moment, mm-hmm. we gravitate towards the easy road or the easy path, whether mm-hmm. that's decision-making or what to do with our night or what to do with our time. Mm-hmm. We just gravitate towards that that uh, that path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. And so what's really cool is that with something like fasting, you, you close off the path of least resistance because mm. it's so easy mm-hmm. to just watch TV. Mm-hmm. It's the path of least resistance. And so when you close that path, what happens? You got to look for other paths. Yeah. 
So all of a sudden, I find myself reading more challenging books, having better conversations with Chloe. Um, and uh, those things are just like, it's more difficult, uh, but it's also more rewarding. Mm, that's great. What do you feel like, <clears throat> how has this last week, what are you going to take from this last week moving forward? Um, I think the biggest principle I'm going to take is that I think God desires for us to say no to even good things for mm. short amount of times so that our, our hearts can thaw out, right? And so it's not like I think TV and Preach. entertainment is bad. Oh, that's you know? good and hard at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. And I don't, like, I'm, I'm a big general revelation guy. Yeah. So, like, I do believe that that mm-hmm. God reveals himself mm-hmm. through other sources that aren't the scripture. I believe that scripture has authority, right? Mm-hmm. That's special revelation. And uh, all other revelations need to be weighed according to that. But I, I believe that God reveals himself through nature, um, through Christians, yeah. through entertainment, through TV shows, yeah. through non-Christians even. You look at that story in Exodus of Moses' father-in-law, Jethro. Mm-hmm. Jethro worships another god. Yeah. And Jethro gives Moses advice. Moses follows it, and God blesses it. Mm. And so, like, I'm a big believer that you can watch The Office and learn about God. Yeah. Dang, that's good, man. That's really good. Yeah, yeah. Gosh. Yeah, I, I it's think... It's a good discipline, man. Yeah, I think what I learned is that, like... <clears throat> so, when I think about... You know, me being bivocational and, like, just this, like, how do I get time with people? It's just, like, really using, utilizing these times where we, like, where we overlap. We habit stack, right? If you've read it, Atomic Habits. Like, um, so, like, for instance, like, we were able to get time together and it was just, like, we were eating. <laughs> like, we both got to eat lunch. Well, you might skip a few meals here and there, but <laughs> I got to eat lunch. We got things to do, man. <laughs> <laughs> places to go people to see um and so just like i think i'm gonna like take that like that lunch hour and be like how can i redeem this mm-hmm. how can i use this to get one step closer to somebody so um yeah yeah i think i'm gonna take that um it was just like it was really like really good man i felt like i took a step closer towards you you know um so yeah look so let me give me another one okay um, another thing that I learned is that it's a good thing for your spiritual life to be bored. That's kind of like, yeah, we say that to our kids all the time. Yeah. yeah. They go, um, oh man, Sally Clarkston. She's a homeschool, like a dope homeschool guru that Caitlin's been following for a while. And now I'm like on the bandwagon now. And she said like yeah, some of the yeah. best things that she gave her kids, her kids are grown now. No, excuse me. Her kids said this. So they're grown now. They said one of the best things that my mom gave me was she allowed me to be bored. Mm, Yeah, dog. Yeah. And so, like, it, you know, fosters creativity. It fosters, like, imagination. Um, But I think what you're getting at, too, is, like, on a deeper level, it, like, forces you to linger and to be slow. And, um, yeah, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but... I just I think that's I think it's really dope that she said that. Yeah, and to like to stay on the bandwagon of the the least resistance principle. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 path 
Sorry, we're breaking up a, uh, <laughs> hey, why an don't issue you, why over don't you here. guys uh, figure out a way that everybody can play, okay? Give everybody a job. That way everyone has equal responsibility. And everyone's hands are busy. Well, look at this. Frontier, you're just getting free parenting advice here. <laughs> so uh, the principle of least resistance, right? And so... There's nothing wrong with taking the path of least resistance unless it's the only path that you take. Yeah, that's great. That's good. Right? And if that's the only path you ever take, that means that you are willfully ignorant mm -hmm. and willfully blind of the other pathways you could take, Jeez. which could lead you to more joy. Perhaps not, but you don't know because you never take them. Yeah. And so what fasting is doing, again, is it's... It's putting a do not enter sign in front mm. of the pathway of least resistance. Yeah. And it's forcing you to to be bored. Ah, that's good, man. I think that's, honestly, that's why I <clears throat> I keep bringing up CrossFit. I said it on Sunday morning. I'm going to say it again. <laughs> this is why people talk about CrossFit being a cult. It's they're like, oh, crap. You don't go to CrossFit? I go to CrossFit. There's Sometimes so when, many, I, when I'm waiting to go to CrossFit, it. I work out. There's so many life parallels <laughs> because you walk into the gym yeah, and you're like, man, you look at the, you you know, you wake up and you go, okay, here's the here's the workout. And um, I lost my train of thought. I'm going to try to find it here as I talk. You look at the workout and you go, I could not go today. This workout is going to suck. Right. I cannot go today. But then you go, and it sucks. And then you're done, and you feel like you're on cloud nine because you just right. did this really hard thing. Like, you, you, you didn't say no. You did this really hard thing. And now you're in better shape. Now, like, you're conditioning. Like, you're, like, literally you condition your mind to move toward hard things. Exactly. Like I love it. Yes. Which is yeah, which is I'm I'm and such an advocate for it. Not just because it's right. good for you, but but I've like I literally since doing it and other Christian things like you know fasting and yeah. the the th like I really do feel like my mind is stronger. Not because I'm stronger, but because like I yeah you just you build up this thing right when you fast like you build up this tolerance to say no to say no and to move toward hard things. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, absolutely. And like, it's, it wasn't a mistake that God made the human body, right? Sometimes we like think that God made the soul and it was like the devil's idea to make the body. It's like, yeah. no, like you're, you are a body mm -hmm. and a spirit and that makes you a soul. Yeah, right? He formed and, so and like, filled. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, you just got to get that man. And so we're not, we're not saying that sleeping is bad. It's great when you do it for eight hours. It's bad when you sleep for 24 hours. Yeah. Right? The pathway of least resistance isn't bad unless you do it 24 hours. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, like, that saying no to entertainment for a week and forcing myself to be bored was so good for my joy. So this is uh, Augustine, the old church father. He talked mm -hmm. about the process of learning, and uh, I love the way that he describes it. This is dense, but we can do this. He says, quote, <laughs> The process of learning is simply this. By thinking, we gather together the ideas which the memory contains in a dispersed and disordered way. And by concentrating our attention, we arrange them in order as if ready to hand, stored in the very memory which previously they lay hidden 
scattered and neglected. So Augustine's hard to read, right? But what he's saying is that when we learn things, it it drops into our minds and our heart as disconnected information. Hmm. And so we have all these components in our mind. We've got uh, the things we learned at church, the things we learned at work, the things we're thinking about with our marriage, and the things that we're thinking about with parenting, and the things that we learned in high school. And all of those are disconnected in the memory. But what learning is, and what boredom does, is it forces us to gather those ideas together and order them so that they all are connected with one another. That's so all so of a sudden good. we're seeing Christianity yeah. as part of parenting and yeah. part of you know part of uh, our marriage and part mm-hmm. of our work. And so when we're bored, our mind takes all of these disconnected ideas and they start to blend them together. Yeah. And that's when real learning happens. That's good. You know? That's good. And you'll get there if uh, if you always have a pacifier in your mouth. Yeah. Or if you're not able to actually think and be, you know, because essentially entertainment is thinking for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's processing information and repeating it back to you. And you're just taking it in, which is, you know, like you said, like there's general revelation, right? There's good stuff in that. Yeah. But yeah. if you never leave space to process all the things that are happening to you, all the things that you're doing to other people and, you know, everything in the middle, then, yeah, I think I think you're spot on on that, man. Or Augustine's spot on on that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, one analogy that I've tried to keep in my mind about meditation and boredom and mm-hmm. solitude is um, is the hammer and the nail. Hmm. So a lot of times we think that um, knowledge is just getting new nails from God. Hmm. I need to learn new bits of true information about God and, you know, mm-hmm. give me more nails. And so I don't have time to meditate and I don't have time for solitude because I'm too busy reading this or reading that or watching this or watching that. Mm -hmm. But what solitude does is it doesn't give us new nails. It's more like a hammer. It Mm -hmm. drives the nails we already have deeper. That's good. So when you sit there bored and you're meditating on the goodness of God, God is driving that nail deeper so that it penetrates into your marriage and penetrates into your parenting and penetrates into your relationships. Because what does Peter say? He says that, um, his divine nature has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Yes. Something like that. But like God has already, Eric Mason, um, pastor, or Dr. Eric Mason, uh, yeah, popular pa- pastor, um, H nine pastor up in Philly says that he was going through that. And he said that like the Christian is like an iPad that has apps. Like God has already loaded all the apps Mm. on the Christian for us. And so what solitude does is it it essentially like you were saying it awakens those things that we already that God has already by his power of his holy spirit put in us. Right. It's so I good. I like that. That's it's a, really that's good. A good image. Man. Um it's, it's really good to think about that, man, because then it's like <clears throat> then you're able to take your boredom and say, "Okay, like I'm bored right now, but like, God, what are you trying to drive home in my life right now? Mm-hmm. Like what is happening around me that, that you want me to be aware of? Right. It's, 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 it's just great, man. It's, it's, uh, it takes the spiritual disciplines and it makes them so easy to follow. 
Mm-hmm. It just it makes it like it makes the Christian life so doable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like man, I gotta go pray and for five hours and like, you know, I gotta go like, you know, all the stuff that like we as Christians we we know, but we sometimes believe that like God needs this like extra extra holiness from me. And when God's like, you know, what would really please me right now is you go on a drive with no music and just shut your mouth. Mm-hmm. Like. And and the Lord like takes that like going back to Romans right the Lord sees that silent car drive and it's like in a fragrant aroma up, up to his nostrils and he's mm, like ah mm-hmm. like just pleased with it, um, dang dude, That's it's a hard good. week for me though man. If there's yeah if there's one thing that I love most every year uh, on watching TV it's NCAA wrestling nationals mm. it's my super bowl dude like it's my what's the basketball <laughs> one what's the super bowl in basketball did you just oh Does my gosh go? y'all forgive forgive <laughs> forgive cold cole you talking about the uh the nba finals yeah or like march madness or like no, nba finals what is that called the nba finals oh is that, it doesn't have like a super bowl name it's the finals okay so it's my nba <laughs> finals right i follow wrestling all year long I'm hoping that the Hawkeyes are going to bring home a national championship. I'm invested in their wrestlers. And uh, Nationals was last week. And so usually, usually I've got all 10 weight brackets printed out on my my couch with the TV on. I'm filling out the brackets (laughs) while I'm watching. I'm happy as a lark because there's wrestling on TV 24-7. And uh, that was last week. And so Chloe was like, what are you going to do? I was like, well, I mean, like, this is my Super Bowl. I'm going to I'm gonna make an exception. Surely the Lord doesn't mean die to everything. Right, right. I'm going to make an exception. And she just kind of looked at me. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. And so I did it. And I didn't watch any yeah. nationals. And um, I'm not saying that this was the Lord rewarding me. But Iowa had a horrible tournament. Oh, so it's your fault. No, I, well, no, I thought I'm it was God joking. sparing me. Yeah. You know, because like some of those matches, if I had been watching the quarterfinal matches that the Hawkeyes lost, I would have like broken my TV, bro. Well, not that bad. I don't have a rage problem. Um, But I was like, okay, thank you, Lord. That would have been a really hard tournament Mm. to watch. So it's such a little thing, but for me, it was a big deal. Any good. Won't he do it, Cole? Won't (laughs) he do it? That's what you say all the time. Oh, man. Mm. Anything else you want to get out of your system for week two? Um... Anything else I want to get out of my... I, I gave this analogy um, the first week of Lent when I was doing announcements of just, like, my wife buying me these really dope uh, Red Wing boots, and everybody told mm. me about, like, all the benefits of them and, like, how they'd be my best boots, and they'd be, like, just, like, lifers, but they didn't tell me how hard it was going to be to break them in. Yeah. Um, and I just, you know, encouraged our church to just... That Lent is gonna feel like that. It's gonna feel like a good, like a good pair of boots that you gotta break in. And um, I just want to encourage anybody who's still breaking in Lent, mm-hmm. <laughs> like um, keep going. You know, um, like if you fail, like there's grace because like this isn't a performance, mm-hmm. right? Where we like we are trying to press into the Lord and so um but I also like you know like yeah there's grace there's forgiveness um 
there's not forgiveness because it's not a sin, but you you get what I'm saying. Like there's grace. There's yeah, yeah. Like you know, as a church, <clears throat> as leaders, we want to come alongside you. But my encouragement is to keep walking. To keep walking. Um, if there are things that you can't participate in because of health reasons or like, like really like get in community and like let's figure out a way that we can do that. And so like for instance, um, this is really good. Uh, Casey uh, Canoe. Um, I was sharing. A, I was sharing a community group that I can't um, because of some medicine I'm taking. I can't like fast. From food, um, it just, you know, it would just wouldn't be good. And so he was like, okay, well, you can't do that, but how about we wake up early one morning and we just write letters to our church? Mm-hmm. And it's like mm-hmm. stuff like that to where I'm like, yes. Like, so I, I guess my encouragement is just like, like, like we have a community who wants to see you become more like Jesus. And so, like, this is just a great time to keep walking, get in community. Um, yeah, I don't know. I got kind of ranty there. I don't know if that's clear, but um, yeah, like keep walking. Yeah, mm, yeah. How about you? Yeah, it's good, ma'am. Um, yeah, I would. Uh, I really like the phrase "holy curiosity" hmm. for this season. I would encourage you to have a holy curiosity. So, the opposite of holy curiosity, I think, is like pride and arrogance, mm. assuming that we know exactly how God wants to grow us yes. and exactly through what God wants to grow us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a type of cynicism that looks at the season of Lent and is like, man, saying no to social media for your week, that's so dumb. That's just dumb, man. Like, so dumb. And like, you know, fasting just from lunch for a day. Man, I, why would you even do that? Like, I just think that's arrogant. Mm. And instead, I would encourage our church to have holy curiosity. Mm-hmm. Just a curiosity that says, I'm a creature, and I don't know the mind of God perfectly, and I don't know exactly how to grow as a Christian. So I'm going to position myself during Lent under some weird things that I don't usually do. Yeah. And I'm just going to be curious, like, God maybe you will use this to blow up my life. Maybe Mm -hmm. you will use this to help me slay my sin. Mm. Maybe you will use this to help me become a better husband. I don't know, but you do. So that type of curiosity I think is great. It's great. That's good. I think holy curiosity (sighs) feels like a good place to end. Yeah. Well, uh, next week, what are we doing next week in the podcast? No, uh, Lent spiritual plan. Uh, we next week we are fasting from lunch, and we are putting on uh, lunch prayer. So our encouragement is the time you set aside for lunch, use that to pray. Mm, that's good. Yeah. I think that's going to be a stretching one. I think it's going to be great. So I really like Peter Scazzaro's, uh He calls this the four stages of solitude. Hmm. Um, this is really helpful, I think. Mm-hmm. Stage one, he calls this, and he, he sees prayer as a progression that we mature in through the Holy Spirit as we walk and follow Jesus. Stage one is talking at God. He describes this as simply parroting what our parents and authorities taught us to pray. So when we sit down, we just kind of repeat what we've heard our pastors say. Mm-hmm. There's nothing bad with that. That's a starting point. The second stage is talking to God. Mm. This is when we become more comfortable finding our words to speak to God rather than just using the ready-made prayers of our childhoods. So Dang. that's good. 
And then the third stage he calls listening to God. At this point, we begin to listen to God, and we actually aren't just talking to him, but it becomes a two-way relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth stage for Scazzaro is being with God. Finally, we simply enjoy being in the presence of the God who loves us, which is more important than anything we say to him or any particular activity we might do with him. So those stages take time. Talking at God, talking to God, listening to God, being with God. Uh, but I would like really encourage our church to see these next couple weeks, setting aside lunch and dinner and breakfast for prayer to just progress from one stage to the next. I that's think that'd really be awesome. good. Dang. Mm. So that's all I got. Yeah. Sweet. We love you, church. Love you guys.